welcome to church. And again, if you're new, my name's Tim. I'm the lead pastor. And we're kind of a, in the end of our year type of tradition. You know how you have traditions? I mean, by the way, you should know this. Christmas is in 36 days. So if that didn't just freak out some of you or like, oh, I gotta start shopping. You know, as we kind of get to the end of the year, we kind of lean into really just a very important season in our church. In fact, we like to say how we begin the year matters and how we end the year matters. I think how you begin every season of life and how you end it both matter. They're kind of the bookends of our seasons we go through. And the beginning of every year, as we will this coming year, we love to use it to seek God. And so if if you've never participated in what's often called a prayer and fast or 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're gonna be doing that as a church on January 4th. And I wanna invite you, maybe this will all be new to you, but I'm telling you, it'll do more for your soul and more for your year than any diet, anything else that you could do to kick off the year. So I wanna invite you, be a part of that. Beginning of the year, we like to seek God. The end of the year, we love to take time and thank God to thank him for what he's done in our church, in our lives, in our community. And one of the ways we do this is through a very practical thing that we can all participate in doing. Coming up December 10th is our traditional end of year offering. This is something if you're new to our church, you're like, what's this? Because we don't pass the buckets every week. And it's the only time really throughout the year, unless something happens crazy, the only time we ever, we ever just take up an offering. And we do this intentionally at the end of the year for a couple reasons. Number one, it helps us move forward the ministry with expansion into the next year, but also it helps us make a difference in our community. And so next week, I wanna encourage you, make sure you're here next week. I'm gonna talk about some of the things we did last year with our end of the year offering that we all gave to, and I'm gonna talk about some of the ministries and the opportunities that are in front of us as a church to help people in our own area and outside of the state of Ohio through this end of the year offering, okay? So don't miss that next week, it's gonna be really important. But I wanna encourage you, if you're here and you're like, I'm not even sure I believe in God. Well, first and foremost, I'm glad you're here. And listen, I don't want you to feel any pressure, but I would make sure that I'm here on December 10th. Because if there is anything that will move your heart, you go, I don't know if I believe in God, that's fine. Here's what will move you, is seeing hundreds of families give of their own desire, their own faith to God and what he's doing. When you see that act of love poured out in a community like this, let me tell you, you may not believe in God, but you're gonna believe in what this community believes in. Because it will move you. And if you're a part of this church family, I just, I just wanna invite you in the season to to pray and to ask God, God, what would you have me, what would you have our family do to participate in this end of the year offering? Now, with that being said, as we end this year, we're also doing that through a series called The World Changers. I I really believe that we are all invited into a story that God has created us for where we can change the world. And last week, I started talking about the way we recognize this is when we begin to live with intention. It's so easy in life to just float through life and just kind of whatever the job takes you, whatever life seems to take you. But I, I just believe that we were created by God on intention, for intention, for a purpose, and that you're not an accident, and I'm not an accident. And God created you for a specific cause to to do something in this world, to build something. And and I just, if, if I could just do anything in this series as we close out the year, 
If there's anything that I hope to do, it's that I want to inspire you, I want to invite you to dream bigger. Because I think a lot of us, to be honest, when we, we hear about God wants to use you to change the world, most of us probably think, not me. I'm insignificant. I don't, I don't lead anything big. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have any influence. I don't even have many followers on Instagram. Like, not me. That's what most of us think. If I could just push back and say, no, 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 why not you? Why not you? Maybe what we need to do, all of us, collectively, is we need to dream a little bit bigger. We need to think a little bit higher. We need to believe that God does the impossible still. We need to be the kind of people that says, God, if you are going to call me to run after a significant life, I will sacrifice whatever and say, God, whatever you want to do through my life, I am going to do it. There's something about living. Listen, I just believe that God's called us to live an exciting life. And I think... Too often it's easy to settle for a mundane, boring, uh, just, just an existence where, where we just do what we've always done. And my fear is that we could get to the end of our lives and look back filled with regret. I only have so much time. You only have so much time. So let's dream bigger. And that's the idea of being a world changer. It's this idea, God wants to use you, he wants to use me to change the world. Now, today as we continue this conversation, I wanna talk about two key attributes that every world changer has. There are two things that are incredibly critical to being a world changer, and I believe these two things bookend the life of every world changer. These two key things bookend the life of every world changer. I, in fact, I brought out um, some bookends in a book. I just, it was the only book I had in my office. So I just, I'm just kidding. Okay, well, it's not trying to be pretentious. There's a reason for it. But these, and I gotta be careful because they'll fall over, right? These are called what? Bookends. And, and we put books on the shelves and we use bookends to hold them up. Because if we don't, I promise you, they will fall over. I can't, I can't pull these away, they will fall over. Right, and I, I really believe that there are some things that are critical to the life of every world changer that will hold your life up for the mission and the purpose and the calling God has for your life. And we need to know what these two things are if we're gonna step into the life God created us for. Now, when I think of world changers, the place I go to in scripture automatically is Hebrews chapter 11. When, when I think about the Bible, Hebrews 11, by the way, is a chapter that seems to highlight the, what, what we'd say is the heroes of our faith, or you know in sports, we've got the Hall of Fame. Th these would be people that made the Hall of Faith, fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith, right? In scripture, these are the stories that many of us knew growing up if you went to church and you heard Sunday school stories about these heroes and I wanna look at, if you can, if you got your Bible with you, I'm gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11 today. Because I believe that as we look at this chapter, we'll see the two important ingredients that will bookend the life of every world changer. The two important things. Let's pick up, if we can, in Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse six. I love this verse. I'm gonna need you to help me out with some of this. It says this, and it is impossible to please God without what? Say it. All right, let's do it together, right? One, two, three, without, without faith. It's impossible because anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Look at this, verse seven. It was, say it with me, it was by faith. 
It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. Before, but by his faith, it says, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes, here it is again, by faith. Verse eight, it says, it was what? Say it with me. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went, this is crazy, without knowing where he was going. Verse 11, skip down. It says this. It was what? Say it with me. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. You, you notice a trend? You, do you notice something that, in that? It, it just keeps talking about what? Faith, right? It talks about faith. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. It's impossible to please God without faith. And then it says, because you have to believe he exists to even come to him. Now, let me just say this. There is a level of faith that it takes to even believe in God. And there are many in this church that you do, but there are also several, if not many of you, that I've met and talked to that you're not even sure if God is real. Can I tell you, you're in the right place. This is a church for people who, you listen, we say this, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong to an amazing community like this. And it's my greatest desire is that as you come and you're here and you're asking questions and you've got doubts, it's my desire that you just simply say, God, if you're real, show me. Because I believe that he will. God, if you're real, show me. It takes faith to believe in God, right? It does. But this isn't just talking about people who aren't sure if God's real. In fact, this is also talking to all of us who do believe in faith. You do follow Jesus. You do believe that he is the son of God. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, it's not just faith that you need to believe in God, but it's faith that you need to please God. Have you ever considered that, those of you as followers of Jesus, have you ever considered that it's possible to believe in God, but live a life that doesn't please him? See, most of us are like, well, what do you mean? I, I believe in God. I, I, I believe in God, and I come to church, and I worship, and that's awesome. It's a great place to start. But this is talking about living a life that pleases God. And the reality is that you can believe in God and not please him. And you're like, wait a minute, what do you mean? Because I, I thought God loves me unconditionally. He does. That's not the same thing. Every parent would understand this. It's kind of like I've got kids and I love them unconditionally. Every parent knows this, right? I will love you, love you unconditionally. But that doesn't mean that they couldn't do some things that would displease dad, right? We can all love God and know that he loves us and still live a life that does not please him. How do we live a life that pleases him? By, by faith. See, Jesus kind of helped express the same story, the same understanding of this one time he told the story, he said, listen, there's a master, and he made this story up to help us understand this truth. He said there was a master who was leaving to go away on a journey. And the master gathered three of his servants and said, I'm gonna divide up my, my uh, wealth, everything I own, and I'm gonna leave it for you to take care of. And so he divided it up, and he left. And while he was gone, if you know the story, two out of the three what did they do? They did something with it. They invested it, they built it, they went to work, they doubled the master's money. They did something, they risked it so that they could build it for the master. And when he came back, 
He saw the two who had built something with it, done something with it, and what did he say to them? Do you all know? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Can I just tell you, this is just me. I hope and pray that one day when I meet Jesus face to face, he says to me, Tim, well done. I bet you do too, right? I I want him to look at me and go, wow, you did something with this one life that I give you. But there was one servant that didn't. What did that servant do? He buried it. He was too afraid to take a risk. He was too afraid. And you know what the master said to that servant? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. And he took from him what he gave him and gave it to the others. Listen, I think this is a picture of a life of faith. There is risk involved. It is dangerous. But this is the only way to live that can please God. And so the first of the bookends, the bookend that we need, right? The first thing that you need if you're gonna be a world changer is you need what? Faith. It's that simple. You need faith. We, we need faith. Now, when I say faith, I wanna clarify because sometimes we hear faith and in our context, we start thinking, oh, that's a belief system. That's a, a religious conviction. That's like, I'm of this faith, you're of that faith. That's not what Hebrews 11 is talking about. It's not talking about a belief. It's talking about an action. It's talking about a belief that inspires an action. It is an active thing. It's, in fact, here's a, a little definition for you if you want some clarity. And I know the Hebrews 11 one is this like epic, famous definition of faith. And you can go and look at that. This is my translated version, but this helps me, okay? I would define faith like this. It's trusting in God without having all the details. It's real simple, right? It's trusting in God without having all the details. It's, it's, I don't have all of it, but if God says to do it, I'm gonna still do it, right? In fact, I, I think about Noah. God told Noah, I want you to build a boat. And not just a boat big enough for you and your kids, but I want you to build a boat big enough for you and your kids and a few pets. It's a really big one, right? I want you to put some animals on this boat, the ark. And God told him to begin building this boat But guess what? It had never rained. You want me, God, to build a massive boat big enough to hold maybe hundreds of animals in the Middle East where it's never, ever rained before. This seems a little crazy, God. See, faith is trusting God without having all the details. Just trust me, Noah, I need you to build. Or Abraham, we saw about Abraham. By faith, Abraham. What did God ask Abraham to do? God said, Abraham, I want you to sell your home. I want you to leave your land that you are comfortable in, your life that is familiar, and I want you to pack up your family, and I want you to move to a land I will show you. That's faith. In fact, you know what we call Abraham? We call him the father of our faith. He's the progenitor of our faith. Why? Because God said, I need you to do something that doesn't make sense, but will you do it? And let me just say this, if you're gonna live a life that pleases God, there are gonna be times when God is going to speak to you and he's gonna say, I want you to do this, and you're gonna go, that doesn't make sense. I know, I want you to trust me. See, I got to see this when I was younger, up close and personal. I got to see this Abraham-type faith, like in the flesh, right in front of us. My wife and I, we were still dating, we weren't yet married, 
um, her parents, and we kind of, you know, we're at church with them, and her parents got invited to go on a mission trip. This is like mid-90s. And they got invited to go on a mission trip to Russia, of all places. This was right after the communism had kind of been collapsed, and it was starting to be open, and people were starting to go in and begin churches, because that wasn't allowed before this. And so they got to go on a mission trip. And they went on a mission trip, and when they got back from the mission trip, something changed in them. Something arrested their spirit. Something, they just were like, I don't know, they fell in love with the people. Something like, let me ask, how many of you ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand. You ever been on, listen, if you've never been on a mission trip, you ought to do it sometime. You're like, oh, I would love to, but it's really scary. I know, that's what we're talking about today. They went on a mission trip, and it was just, it impacted them so much they couldn't stop thinking about it. A year later, or so they got an opportunity to go on a mission trip again, back to Russia. They went. They went back, you know, because their heart was moved. Oh, man, they fell in love with the people. They saw the need, the opportunity, and they went back and did that. And then my wife and I got married, and I, I won't forget this day because it's kind of a joke in our family, but one day they said to us, they said, hey, um, we, we need to tell you something important. And so we did it over lunch at Pizza Hut. Now, it's kind of become this running joke in our family whenever there's something really important to share you know, we went to Pizza Hut, and so here we are, we're sitting at Pizza Hut, and we're choking down some meat lovers pan pizza, and while we're doing that, they dropped the bomb on us. They said, hey, we want you to know we feel like God's called us to move to Russia. We're like, wait, we just got married. What, you know, we're young, what do you mean move to Russia? We're like, we just feel like God's calling us to move and live in Russia. That's crazy, right? We were like, okay, um, um, how, how are you gonna live? They're like, we don't know, God's gonna trust, God's gonna take care of us. And they went around and they started to raise money. Now here's the thing, I know this because I was responsible for managing their finances when they were in Russia. They didn't have enough. They didn't get enough support. Do you know what? They went anywhere. And here, can I just tell you, as someone who watched the finances, every single little bit of money here and there and being able to send it over for them, can I tell you this? God provided every penny they needed for the journey in Russia, though they didn't know where we come from. Like, I, we, got the, we got the opportunity to see it. God said, pack up, move to another country, a foreign land, foreign language, a different place, a different culture. But you know what? Because of their obedience, they started churches that are still operating today, even though Russia has closed back down, that have launched into other churches that have gone around the world. There's ministries happening around the world because they were responsible. They answered the call of faith and went when it didn't make sense. I'm just talking about what does it mean to live a life that pleases God? Can I just tell you, it takes boldness to have faith. It takes courage to live with faith. It, 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 it takes like just a grit to live with faith. In fact, I can say it this way, it's scary to live by faith, isn't it? It's scary to live by, this, see this was just a prop. I just, you didn't get it, but it was just, I'm just sending you a message the whole time. It's scary to live by faith. If you're new here, it's a book that I wrote, and I'm not trying to sell books today. I don't really care about that. Uh, they are at the shop or Amazon.com. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not why. It's because I wrote the story about scary faith because that is the story of our church. What a lot of you don't know that have been coming here for maybe just the past couple of years, 
is that many of you are sitting in someone else's faith. You came to a space and you're sitting in some, do you realize that we have this space because there are people who give faithfully, who gave above and beyond, that when we did a campaign that they said we will give beyond what we normally give, that we'll sacrifice some of the things that we wanna do in our own life so that we can be a part of a bigger purpose, a bigger story, a bigger cause. See, many of you wouldn't even know that. I, I, it's sad because I think it can be so easy if you haven't been part of the journey to show up one day and not even realize that we were prayed for you, we gave for you, we believed for you. And you can show up and walk into a space like this and go, wow, this is a, this is a really nice building. This is really nice. Man, they must have, you must have a lot of money here. Ha, we don't have a lot of money. What you're seeing is a lot of faith. We don't have a lot of money. I'll tell you right now, we have a lot of faith. Can I just tell you, this has been one of the scariest steps of my life in leading this, our church into this. To open a building in the middle of a pandemic, didn't plan that, that cost beyond what we could ever have imagined it would cost us. It's, it's all part of the story. You can read it if you haven't. But it has been scary. And listen, it wasn't scary three years ago. It's still scary. There are still times, can I just tell you, God has been our provider. He has met our needs every single month. But I'm going to tell you, there have been some months where it has showed up at 11 o'clock. Like it's the last hour. Because this is what it's like to live by faith. And I'm telling you, you don't have to have a lot of influence. You don't have to have a lot of money if you want to change the world. But you are going to need a lot of faith. Or at least a little bit of faith. Enough faith to move. And so my question, my challenge to all of us, because, because I just believe that inside of you, that you, there's a sense in you that you want to change the world too. You want to live a life that pleases God. My, my challenge to all of us is this. In this season, what is God calling me to live by faith, to do by faith. I want you to ask that question of yourself. In this season, what is God calling me to do by faith? What is it? Well, it could be that God has been prompting your heart to forgive someone who hurt you. And you have just not wanted to do it because it doesn't feel fair and they never apologized. And they cut off the relationship. And God's prompting your heart to forgive them. And you go, but how has that changed the world? Let me tell you how. Until you're obedient with the one step of faith God puts in front of you, you will never take step after step after step to do what God's ultimately designed you to do. It might seem small. Listen, here's what I found with faith. Faith starts small. But the moment you respond and you're obedient to the one step, what is it? Maybe God has inspired some of you that you had this dream of starting your own business. You do something, you're like, I feel like I could do this on my own. I, I feel like I could build something. I feel like I could do something significant. I feel like I, I could be, create jobs for people. I feel like I could be able to, to bless the kingdom of God and be generous. I, I've got, well, I think I've got it, but you've been so afraid to do it because you have the safety of a paycheck from another company. What if you're missing out on the very thing that God really designed you to do to change this world for someone else? Maybe it's a nonprofit that God's inspiring your heart 
to start or to begin. There's something, you see a need in this world, you're like, why doesn't anybody else do something about it? Maybe God's prompting you to do something about it. And you go, well, I don't have anything to offer. Yeah, you do. Your obedience, your willingness, your faith to say, God, if you could use me, then I'll step out and try it. What is it? I don't know, it could be the simple thing of God's been prompting your heart to stay home with your kids and raise them, but going to one income in your home and you don't know if you're gonna make it and you've been back and forth and praying about it, but you just don't know, I don't know if we can do it, but God's been prompting your heart and you won't let go of it. It takes faith to follow Jesus. I'm just telling you, but this is the kind of life God invites us into and it's the kind of beginning, a bookend that can change the world. Now, listen. It's not just faith, that's one of the bookends. That's, you need faith, you gotta get faith to, to respond to God, to start. But can I give you the other one? Do you know what the other bookend is? You're gonna, you're gonna get this. It's, 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 you need faith and you need faithfulness. Write that one down. You need faith and you need faithfulness. Aren't they the same thing? No, they're not. You need faith and you need faithfulness. Let me give you a real simple definition. Again, this is my definition of faithfulness. I look at faithfulness as faith to the end. Right? It starts with faith, but it's faith to the very end. And one of these bookend the life of every world changer is that they're inspired by God through faith. They begin something, but then they're faithful to God to see it through the end. And we gotta recognize that we live in a culture this so easily celebrates the beginning of something, but rarely do we celebrate the faithfulness of someone to the end. Think about it, right? I mean, we live in a culture that loves to celebrate first. And I get that. It's good to celebrate first. It's good to think of the beginning. I love scripture says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. There is something to it at the beginning. You know, you know one of the things that our family has got to, that my wife and I specifically as being a grandparent or getting to relive are the first of our grandson. In, in fact, if you don't know this, we've got this cute grandson named Cohen that is five and a half months old. Oh, geez, look at those cheeks. He's just the best thing ever. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing ever. Listen, I'm, if, if, if you're ever wondering, should we have kids? I tell people now, you should become a parent just so you hopefully can become a grandparent one day. It's that great. And we get to celebrate with his parents all, the, all his firsts. It's amazing, like the first time he smiled, you know, they're taking a picture, he smiled for the first time. It's amazing. It is, I'm telling you, I'm enamored. When he looks at you and smiles, he melts you, you know? The first time he laughed, we caught on video, we're sharing him, we're like, oh, I just watched it over and over, it's so great. The first time he rolled over onto his belly, we're like, oh, he rolled over, he's growing up too fast. Now he's jumping, you hold him and he's just jumping the whole time and, and he's gonna take his first steps one day. Guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna celebrate because we love to celebrate the beginning. I get that, we should. We love to, we, in fact, in, in our family, we've had a, a lot of celebrations of beginnings and yesterday we got to celebrate something that was really awesome and exciting. Our youngest daughter, Audrey, got engaged yesterday to Chance and that was another really cool celebration moment. And, and next year, we're gonna get to celebrate at their wedding. And here's the thing we know about weddings. Weddings are a party. 
We celebrate a couple. We got cake and we got food and we got dancing. And it is a party. And we're going to have a party and celebrate their wedding. Because we love in our culture to celebrate the beginning. But do you know what is often not celebrated? Those who've been married for 23 years. Right? Those who've been married for 38 years. See, see, we love to celebrate the start. But sometimes in our culture, we don't value finish. It takes faith to live a life that pleases God, but I also want to argue that it takes faithfulness to also, you know, I think we don't celebrate it enough. I'm just curious, is there anybody here that's been married for 20 years? Raise your hand if you've been married for 20 years. Wow, come on. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, okay. How about 25? Anybody 25? All right. We still got a lot of hands. We're going to play this game that you play at weddings. And then we're gonna ask you to get up and dance. Okay, look at, how about 30? 30 years, okay, several back there, over here, okay. What about 35? Do we have any 35s? Oh yeah, 35, back up there. Okay, I might just have to stay over here. How about 40? No, okay, 35, oh 40? Are you 40? Come on, 40 years? Okay, hold on, 45? What is it? 43 years, can we just, come on, can we give up 43 years? Hey, listen, most people will celebrate at the wedding, but we're gonna celebrate at 43 years because there is something to finishing. Let's not lose sight of that. See, we, we celebrate when someone loses 30 pounds. You know how we all just, oh, you look amazing. Oh my gosh, you're so awesome. Like, how'd you do it? Tell me your secret, it's amazing. Do you know what's harder than losing 30 pounds? Keeping it off. You see somebody that's kept it off for a year or two years, you ought to celebrate that. We're gonna celebrate big milestones, and you should. In our church, as one of our staff values, we celebrate a lot. We celebrate every person that takes their first step of faith to follow Jesus. When they cross over from death to life, it is huge. We are gonna celebrate that as a church. When somebody gets baptized, like we got to celebrate today, somebody getting baptized, we go nuts as a church, don't we? We celebrate with people because it's big deal. They took a step of faith. Then when someone starts serving, we celebrate it through our servant leaders. And when someone gives on staff, we celebrate it because that was big the first time. Those are all huge. Do you know what we don't often celebrate? The person who's been here for 15 years and they show up every single week and they serve every other week and they give faithfully and they don't complain about anything and they're here through the good times and the bad times. I think we ought to celebrate those people for a moment. What about the faithful people that are planted in a church that say, this is my community, this is my home and I'm not going anywhere. I think we should celebrate not just faith but faithfulness. It takes faith to start something. It takes faithfulness to see it to the end. It took a lot of faith for us to start this church. It's taken a lot of faithfulness for us to still be here 20 years later doing ministry. It takes faith to move, but listen, sometimes it takes faith to stay. When God told Noah, I need you to build this boat, I wonder if year 43, and this still had not rained, he thought, why am I doing this? Year 82, year 94, this seems like a waste. I know, I'm just looking for somebody to be faithful. Or Abraham, when God called him to move to a new land, it took a lot of faith to do that. 
But do you know what took faithfulness? Staying there, living in a tent. See, here's the thing. The chapter in Hebrews that celebrates everybody by faith and what they did, it could be real easy to miss the bookend. It's not just about the faith to start, but it's also about the faithfulness to finish. And you can miss it. So I wanted to read for you and show you the bookend to Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, let's not just celebrate the beginning, but let's also skip to the end. Can I read to you Hebrews 11, 32 through 37? This is at the end of the chapter. Here, here's what it says. It says, how much more do I need to say? Now, you can go read this. The writer just lists name after name after great exploit. And then summarizes, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon. We just heard a great message by Pastor Jesse a couple weeks about him. Barack Obama. That's actually not Barack Obama, just so you know. Samson, the mighty warrior. Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, verse 33 says, these people overthrew kingdoms. Look what they did. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. They put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. It's amazing, right? Others were tortured, refused it. Wait a minute, hold on, what? Didn't it feel like something just turned right there? Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning, and this part always gets me, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. I'm grateful that the writer of Hebrews gives us the bookend. Because we can be inspired by faith and take a step of faith to begin something. But I think the writer of Hebrews wants us to know that God also values those that finish to the very end, even those that we don't know about. Right, because when, when we look through this passage, we recognize all the names of the heroes that most of us have Bible stories memorized about. The heroes that won the wars, they won the victories, they, God used them to do great exploits and we know their stories. But then the writer of Hebrews bookends that with a whole bunch of people that didn't accomplish according to the world standards great things, but were faithful to the very end. They held on to their faith to the very end. And as I was thinking about this list of all the people who faced persecution and had to give their lives by what they believed in, though no one would know who they are, I found it interesting that most of the chapter highlights the heroes that we know by name, but the list at the end doesn't give one name. Doesn't give one name. And I was I was thinking about that, I'm like, God, why, 
Why is it that we know Noah's name and we know Moses' name and we know Abraham's name? And we, why is it, but we, we weren't given their name and their story. And it felt like God just kind of nudged me, spoke to me and said, you know, maybe it's because the world celebrates those who are known and successful and maybe God celebrates those who are unknown and faithful. Maybe it's so all of us can understand that maybe no one will know our name. Maybe it'll feel like my story doesn't amount to very much. But I want you to hear this. I don't think it's the achievements that pleased God. I know we have a list of all the great things that those other guys did. Gideon and David. And I, I know that. But I wonder if maybe it's not the achievements that pleased God, but it was their faith and faithfulness that actually pleased God. And I want you to hear this today because this might free someone up today because you, you sit there and you look at your life and your story and you go, okay, I, I hear you, Pastor. You're all passionate about me. God wants to change the world and world changers. And you're saying I could be a world changer, but I don't have much to offer. I, I don't have a story that's big and I don't, I, I don't preach and I don't do this. And that's not, I, I know, I know that's what you feel. And you maybe even feel like, I don't know that much has come from my life, but I've just been faithful to God. I've just been serving him however he asked me to do. Can I just tell you something? I don't think the outcome matters to God. I think it's our faithfulness that matters to God. I don't think it's what the world celebrates as success that matters to God. I think he's just looking for some people who will respond when he says, I want you to do this with your life and be faithful to the end. That's all I want. How do you please God? It's not by the exploits, it's by the faithfulness. Just be faithful. And I love how the bookend of Hebrews, the story you know, when we read the Bible, we read by chapter and verse and book, and it's because later we came along and organized it all. But if you look at this without the chapter end, and you just lead right into Hebrews 12, the first three verses, can I read them for you? And then we're gonna close. But this spoke to me. Hebrews 12, verse one says, therefore, that, that's coming off this list of all these people Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. In other words, there's so many people who've gone before us and they lived by faith and with faithfulness. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What are the things that are holding you back from stepping into the life God has for you? He says, let us strip off every weight, especially the sin that easily trips. You know what trips us up? Our greed our selfishness, living for my life, my story, my brand, building something so I can be significant. You wanna know what trips us up and pulls us away from the calling of God in our lives? It's these things. He says, let's get rid of those things. And I love this, look at this. And let us run the, with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this how? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. In other words, we keep our eyes on Jesus who is the bookend of our faith. He is the one who starts it. He's the one who perfects it. Whatever God has started in your life, he is faithful to bring it to completion, Philippians 1, 6. We do it by putting our eyes on Jesus and listen, and we run our race. Please hear this today. If I could just challenge you 
Run your race. No one else's. I think one of the things that distracts us from what God calls us to do is we look around at everybody else's race. Look at what they've done. Look at what they've accomplished by their age and what I haven't accomplished by my age. Look at the race of, look at, I wish I, was, I wish I was as gifted as they were. I wish I had that much impact. I wish I could do something like that. Stop doing that. There is no fruit in that. That's like me spending my entire life saying, Tim, look at Billy Graham's ministry. Dude, why? You have done nothing with your life compared to Billy Graham. He filled stadiums. He written, saw millions of people come to Christ. That's, yes, he did. And I could be so discouraged if I try to run Billy Graham's race. But here's what I know. That's Billy Graham's race, not Tim's race. That's what God called Billy Graham to do. That's not what he called Tim to do. I just want to do what God's called Tim to do, what he created me to do. And if you'll just run the race that God has for you and just be faithful to whatever that is, let me tell you what will happen. God will take all of us together and he'll build something for his kingdom that will last. I just want to free you up with this. Don't compare your race to mine. I'll stand before Jesus one day and give an account for how I ran my race. You, you run your race. You run with faith. You run as one who is faithful to the end. You know what that might mean? That might mean that God's called you as a mother to invest your life in the next generation, to be faithful to what God's called you, to how you serve those kids and their kids, your grandkids and great-grandkids, and how you invest in them to change the future. If that is the most significant thing you do, be a great mother to the very end. Say, I'm gonna do that, whatever it is. Maybe it's, it's you're gonna go to work and you're gonna say, you know what, this isn't just for a paycheck. This career, this ability God you've given me, no, this is an opportunity for me at this workplace to represent you, Jesus, wherever I go. I don't care if the company says, you do these things to make it to the top. If it conflicts with my faith, I'm gonna live by faith and trust God for the results because I'm not here for the outcomes. I'm here for the faithfulness to the very end. If we can live like that, oh my I think the world would say, these people are different. I just wanna live with faith and faithfulness, the bookends. Let's, let's not just celebrate the wedding, that's exciting. But let's celebrate 43 years of faithfulness. Let's celebrate all the way to the end, amen? Amen, come on, stand up to your feet with me if you would. I, I, would, I would love for us, before we leave here today, to simply ask God, God in this season, what's the step of faith that you have for me to take? Even if it feels small, but it scares you, what if you ask God, what is the step of faith that you have for me to take today? Because if you take enough of those steps, whoo, what God can do through you, it's beyond what you could ask or imagine according to his power at work within the church, Ephesians 3.20 reminds us. So you just bow your heads for a moment. Let's just pray. Father, I, I pray right now for every person in this moment, God. I pray over every young person that feels maybe that their life is, I don't know, insignificant. I pray over the 73-year-old in this room that feels like, I don't know that I've done much with my life. 
God, I, I pray that right now in this moment that we don't worry about the outcomes, but God, we commit ourselves to by faith living, stepping into the thing you have for us and just finishing well. God, I pray for every marriage represented here that God, you give us the boldness and the courage to finish well. I pray for every person that's planted in this church serving. No one knows my name. Nobody knows how I pray for these people. No one knows. That God knows. God sees. God celebrates the unknown and the faithful. God, I pray that they would know that you are pleased with them today. God, I just sense maybe you want people to sense your, that you're pleased with those who are just faithful in this place today. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.